I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. That looks right. Yes, it sure does. All right. So we're recording on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm curious, Keaton, what did you what did you have for breakfast this on this holy Sunday? On this holy Sunday, I did my iconic avocado toast. Okay. Uh, all the way through, because that's not what you told me before. No, I was I, I was lying. I, I changed it up <laughs> ever so slightly. I, it was a really large piece of sourdough, so I cut it in half. Did half jelly, half avocado toast, um, half sweet and savory, half half modern. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Really having it both ways there. Absolutely. Two way two way toast. Two way toast. I so because it's Sunday morning, I've been here at the church all morning. And I did, I don't know, we should find a word for it, but like the grazing, like a grazing breakfast. Just a consistent Yeah, just breakfast forever. Morning. Just, uh, <laughs> breakfast just eternal forever. breakfast. Where anytime something breakfast related was in front of me, I just took took advantage of it. And how many opportunities did you get? So I think I've had about five five servings of breakfast Whoa. food this morning. Because I I started with muffins this morning thinking, oh, well, this is my only chance to eat. So I better eat a couple of these muffins before I leave like mini muffins. And then I got here and there was a breakfast. So I had some fruit, like a fruit casserole thing. Then somebody later had some donuts. Then I had a cereal bar. (laughs) It just kept happening that I'd like be sitting around with people in between services or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, there's a breakfast. That's a great morning. So, but I I think there should be a name. I think it's like people call that grazing. Grazing. Yeah. That was a trend a while ago about like eating 10 small meals a day. But for me, it was just like eating five to six breakfasts breakfast a day before yeah. 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I think that is um, the kingdom of heaven is like an eternal breakfast. Yes. Maybe that if, if Jesus was going to give us a parable just for our podcast, maybe he would start Let's it say. that way. <laughs> um, so we're going to look at a little domestic scene uh, in Luke. This is just, it's a, it's a small story. Uh, that has become like a wider paradigm in a lot of, uh, particularly in the world of like women's ministry and stuff. But we're going to talk about this this little glimpse we have of Jesus just hanging out uh, with some friends. So his friends are uh, Martha and Mary, who we learn in other stories have a brother named Lazarus. So the, the three siblings. Yeah. And uh, we don't know a lot about them, except that Jesus stays with them every once in a while. We know that from other accounts and other stories that they're very dear to him. We know that Lazarus eventually uh, dies. And there's this miraculous story where Jesus raises him to life and actually calls him out of the tomb uh, in a very dramatic moment. This is also the, their relationship is the cause for the, the famous shortest passage in the Bible where Jesus weeps. So his friendship with them is, is deep. It's and important. It's a good friendship. Yeah. But we just get this little scene uh, where he's staying with them and Martha and Mary have 
two different approaches to hospitality. And so Martha's approach, I mean, you've, you've grown up hearing this story, right? Right. So what do you remember learning about Martha? Martha stays busy. She keeps her hands busy. She is the, um, the quintessential host. Yes. Keeping everybody fed, keeping everything clean. Yeah. I mean, that's all it tells us is she was distracted by her many chores, but I think we can imagine those, what those are, right? Because we've seen, uh, we probably all have people in our family who do this, both men and women, you know, right. Uh, I've had, you know, I have an uncle who's like this. He's always got 10 things that he has to get done. Um, and I think there are, there are people like that who just operate on this. They have a l- working list in their head all the time of the things that they have to get done. And then Mary, uh, what did you grow up learning about Mary? Do you remember? Mary was more still sitting with Jesus, talking, learning the student. Yeah, it's actually the uh, a classic description of a student that she is at the Lord's feet. And um, that was the way you might describe a student with a rabbi. Uh, so it's it's actually kind of revolutionary language because uh, if you were a rabbi, you would normally not have female students. Mm. Um, and so they, Luke uses the language of like a student at the feet of a rabbi to describe Mary. And of course, they're kind of pitted against each other in this story. Um, one is good. One is bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the traditional thing. You know, there's there's books, there's women's conferences there's, and it's like the classic, which golden girl are you? Mm. But instead, it's, are you a Mary? Are you a Martha? Yeah, are you a Martha? <laughs> so let's just do it. Let's, are you a Martha or a Mary? I think I'm a, I think I am a Martha. You do. You have, a, you like to do all the things. You have a working list. I have the working list, especially if I'm hosting. I have a lot of, I have a lot of hosting anxiety of making sure the person that I'm hosting is comfortable and it sometimes distracts from the, yeah. the joy of having people there. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction. Like, it's not just that she did that all the time. Right. But it's especially when she feels re- she feels responsible for Jesus' experience in their house. And I think we see that uh, a lot of times in the world of hospitality and in the world of like hosting people um, that people just put a lot of pressure on themselves to do this just right. So it's not that Martha doesn't want to honor Jesus, which I think is the rap she gets sometimes. Um, it's that she wants to honor him through the doing of the things. Yes. She's probably making sure that the chip bowl is always filled, you know, right. Making sure that his beverages are always refreshed or making sure that he's comfortable. Um, and then we have, uh, I definitely am not Martha. I don't think, although maybe if somebody came to my house, I might be a little more like that, but I think certainly in the bigger picture of things, I feel more like a, a Mary. So we're a classic confrontation. We should just box each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can feel the tension. Yeah. Cause I think that's what, that's what kind of bugs me a little bit about the way the story is used sometimes is that it, it, that there's only two kinds of women, right? So we kind of take from the story. There's only two ways to be a woman and that those two ways have to hate each other. Right. One or has to be good. Competition. One has to be, right. And you know, I don't think Jesus sees that coming cause he ends up honoring Mary Mm-hmm. But I think when I read that, I see it as a like a revolutionary thing that he is in a world that would have said the more valuable thing for women to do would be to be Martha's. He is trying to lift up an unusual thing for women to do, which is to be a student. Um, let's let's apply our breakfast question to them. Can you imagine like when you think of Martha? What do you think she's, what's she doing around breakfast? Yeah, this one feels straightforward. She's making sure the table is full. 
Yeah. Yeah. She never sits down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just running around. So maybe she doesn't eat even. Yeah. She might even forget. Or it's like uh, a lot of, I think moms do this like on holidays or big days. Sometimes like they end up being eating the scraps, you know, like mm-hmm. just kind of cleaning up afterwards. Or they, eating a little bit as they're cooking. Or- yeah. They do a taste test along the way, but they don't get that full meal until everybody else is done. Um, which is, I just want to make sure, I think I, I, it is beautiful and honorable, right? Like, I think there is something to that, uh, especially when it's done in the name of, of love. Um, I, what do you think about, what do you think about Mary? What's she having? I have Mary as the student. When I was a student, I did the, the coffee and a muffin from Starbucks on my way to class <laughs> and then I'd eat it yeah. in front of the teacher. So, okay. I imagined her being like the, um, like be, she would have the coffee in a book and she'd post it on Instagram, <laughs> you know, like, I think it's, I think that's a little, a little bit of who she is. Like, okay. Uh, maybe not. I mean, maybe she doesn't need everybody to know that she is doing this, but it is that she is taking that moment. Mm. Right. I think that's what those posts are sometimes meant to say is like, I'm, I'm taking a moment. I am here. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And we actually, Every Instagram post that is a cup of coffee and a book, I think, should be in tribute uh, to Mary. Because <laughs> yes. you wouldn't get to do that yeah, without Jesus, like, lifting that up has a, uh, has a way to be in the world. Um, I wonder if we could think just about the, because, again, it's not just a, a Mary versus Martha or w- different types of women versus different types of women. I think we also have a, a competition in our head sometimes or in our world, like a working competition between what it is to do and what it is to be and that some of us grow up with a picture that one of those is holier and better Mm. than the other does that ring true to you do you ever see that at play in people right the 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 competition between service and being present yeah absolutely yeah and I think even you know even in a workplace environment or or in a family like that one thing is more valuable uh, than the others I think and we can kind of lean into the, even in the church world, I think we lean into the one over the other mm. uh, sometimes. I really love, um, and not, and then if you like broaden that out, it's also in some of the, the friendship circles I'm in, it's like the academic world versus the church world. Okay. So the people who study scripture and know the Greek words for everything versus the people in the church who are being the hands and feet running around doing the task, um, there, there's a larger battle sometimes between the world of uh, the academy and the world of the church uh, and a tendency to see one as more valuable uh, than the other. My personal preference, I always think it's funny, is that when I'm in one of those worlds, I crave the other world. Mm. <laughs> like when I hang out or when I take a class or I'm down uh, in Tennessee where I went to school and I'm when I'm in those more academic circles, I want to speak up for church you know like I yeah was, you're craving yeah. craving the action or standing yeah. up for that and I remember when I was in school like I couldn't wait to graduate because it was like I just can't wait to go do things to be useful yes um and then as soon as I got a job and started being useful I was like oh I, I miss, miss sitting <laughs> and studying and thinking yeah yeah and I think I would think everybody has that uh, that pull maybe a little bit like mm-hmm. that pull between even after long after you've been in school that tension of just sitting and learning or praying or being still uh, versus doing. Um, 
I think is I I don't know. Do you know Eugene Peterson? Do you know that? Do you know that name? He no. wrote the uh, the message translation. Okay. But he wrote a bunch of books about pastoring, so he was kind of considered like a pastor to the pastor. And I remember just recently I read his uh, it's a biography somebody wrote of him called Burning in My Bones, and I love it because he's like this person that I think a lot of people see as somebody who arrived like a, like a Mary, right? Who's at the feet of Jesus and who spent his whole life, like just content. But in his biography, there's a, he never knew if he was doing the right job. Mm. Like he never knew if he was doing the right thing. So when he was in a Martha role, he was like, ah, oh, I wish I wish I lived a little more like Mary. And every time he was doing Mary things with his life, he was like, oh, I missed the Martha. So he wrestled with the balance just as much as the rest of us. Yeah. And it's been so comforting to me because I think a lot of us, even if you're not in the world of church things, I think a lot of us wrestle with that. Is there some job I could be doing or some life I could have where I'm just content and I never wonder if I'm or I never miss the things I'm not doing or I never wonder if there's some perfect job out there. Um, and his story really gave me comfort that you could be the person everybody thinks is getting it right and still have that internal battle of whether or not you're in the right you're in the right place. And I feel like that internal battle kind of forces you into keeping both of those lives in check too. Without yeah. that internal battle, you might not have that nudge to be quiet sometimes or without that internal battle, you might not have the nudge to go out and be and yeah. do. So yeah, that there's value for all of us in both of those things. So maybe some days you have the space to have as many ways of toast as you want. Right. But maybe some days you're the gracer and you're work, you're busy working and you just grab whatever you can. Um, and you have the more, the busier, the busier day. Uh, I also just, this story, every time I read it, I'm grateful that these stories survived because this is not, no miracle happens here. Mm -hmm. it, it, they're just hanging out. Yeah. Like that's the end of it. It's, it's Jesus a handful says, of hey, come, come sit with us. Yeah. And, and it, for some reason, this is a story that people kept telling. Like there was this one time he was at his friend's house and one person kept doing stuff and one person just kept sitting and listening. And for some reason, they kept retelling that story. Mm -hmm. And I think it, when we come across something like that, it reminds us that everything that's here is here because something about it resonated with people. Um, so it resonates in that being, doing conflict. But I think it also, I love that it's there to show us that Jesus doesn't ask anything giant of anybody here. As far as we know, and we've talked about this before, right? They, they were not, he didn't tell them drop everything. He just told them, like, keep keep some room for me when I stop by. Uh, and he just kind of keeps company with them when he can. And it seems to be just a friendship. And when you think about the the giant big idea that Jesus is is God in the, in the flesh, right, that Jesus is part of this giant mysterious trinity of divinity who just also had friends. Right. Uh it's interesting theology that the God of the world just needed some people around him to keep him company sometimes. Absolutely. And that, that maybe that is still true, that a part of what we are as people is just to be uh, friends of God, which is not a way we, we think of ourselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to try to remember that. I'm gonna, Tomorrow I'm not going to have a grazing breakfast, so I'm going to try and sit still in the morning and, and remember that God in the flesh wanted just people around um, so, uh, and I think maybe that also just calls us to, um, 
making sure we have that in place too. Like making sure we have people we can just be, be with. Be with. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate again, just this little story. If you're reading along with us, it's just a little bit at the end of Luke uh, 10. We are, as we read through not hitting everything, we're just hitting the parts that have to do with uh, food and people and where we can make a breakfast connection. Uh, thanks for listening to us on the breakfast translation uh, and enjoy the music of Chris Reffitt on our way out the door. Thank you.